Lord, we're going to open the word together this morning. And I'm asking for your Holy Spirit to come and lead us in truth. I'm asking, Lord, that you come and reveal to us things we have never seen, things that we have never even uh, received in the full capacity of what you're releasing. We open our hearts for more, and we just say, Lord, let the gospel transform us this morning. Let the word of the kingdom come and take root in our hearts and produce fruit that's going to change us and change the world around us. We yield to you, Holy Spirit, and we say, come, minister, minister to us through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, we love you so, so much. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just reach your hand out to me. God, I ask for your help. I just say, help, Lord. Let your anointing come on me. I do not want to speak from a place of gifting. I lay my gifting down. I lay this pulpit at your feet, this microphone, and I come in reverence. And I say, Father, come touch me. Come fill me. Come and speak. Come and equip me. Even as the words that come out of my mouth are your words, Lord, let them stir and edify me as well as this community and those that would hear online. So we bless you. Thank you for your presence and your anointing and your divine ability in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Okay. Let's start like this. I love you. I love you very much. I'm passionately in love with this church. I count it a privilege to have opportunities to stand here knowing the, the influence of this microphone. And I, I just want you to know I take it very seriously. And so when I share what I'm going to share today, it's coming from a heart of absolute passion and love for this church, this house, um, and for what the Lord's doing across the nations. So this word might be quite um, strong for us in our hearts, but it's a good kind of strong. And so I'm going to preach it smiling, and you can smile at me as well, um, because it is a really exciting thing. Um, but it does actually require a response in our hearts, and that's a good thing. I just want to encourage you. Like, conviction is so healthy. Actually, we want conviction. We're asking Holy Spirit to convict us all the time of righteousness and the truth and the kingdom of God so that he would begin to make us more and more like Jesus. That's the goal, right? We're not here just to offend each other. We're actually here to be spurred on in the truth, okay? So that's what I want to share. So I'm going to share a couple of scriptures in the beginning that might seem a little bit like, whoa, <laughs> but it's awesome and we're going to go somewhere. So turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Those of you who have read 2 Timothy chapter 3, you're all going, ooh. <laughs> 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1, and I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. It says this, But understand this, that in the last days, dangerous times of great stress and trouble will come, difficult days that will be hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self, self-focused, lovers of money, impelled by greed, boastful, Arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. And they will be unloving, uh, irreconcilable, malicious, gossips, devoid of self-control, brutal, <laughs> keeps going, don't worry, this, haters of good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of outward godliness, although they have denied its power. The Amplified says, for their conduct nullifies their claim of faith. Avoid such people and keep far away from them. Well, it's good to be alive and it's exciting to be the church. <laughs> uh, man, I read this. I told you the little scary thing about this. And I promise you we're going uphill from here. This is just the beginning. But the scary thing about this scripture is that he's not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about the church. 
very scary, actually, when you think about that, is uh, he says, he talks about um, holding to a form of godliness. See, unbelievers are not trying to hold to any form of godliness. They don't really care. They're not, their spirits haven't been awakened to godliness yet. So when Paul's writing this to Timothy, he's explaining that difficult times are coming because this will, will be seen within the church in the end times. And it's interesting, he says, holding to a form of outward godliness, but they've denied its power. And the Amplified just explains that, it says, for their conduct nullifies their claim of faith. I refuse to allow the church to be just another area of our lives that has been changed by COVID. And I'm asking you to do the same, that we are not going to be a people that hold to an outward form of godliness, our speech, what we say, the fact that we attend meetings, but actually the conduct of our lives while we're here on the earth nullifies our faith, our claim of faith. We've got to be real careful as a church, and so I'm encouraging us. I'm saying that the Lord is inviting us to enter into His kingdom. And Jesus says in Luke 17, He says, the kingdom is not something to be observed. It's not something that you'll say, look, there it is, or look, here it is. He says, the kingdom of God is among you or in the midst of you. Now, He was saying that to Pharisees. So He wasn't saying to the Pharisees, it's inside of you. He was saying, actually, the, the kingdom of God is among you. It's in your midst because it's a kingdom of hearts. It's a kingdom of people that are governed by the kingship, the leadership, and the lordship of God. And you will see it manifested through them. And the kingdom of God will be revealed to you by something called the ecclesia, the ecclesia, the called out ones to govern, God's people, God's church. So the church was always built and designed around the kingdom of God. We cannot separate the church and the kingdom. The kingdom is not something that the church is sitting back looking for or waiting for. It's in us. And because the kingdom of God is in us, when we come together as a people, our mandate is to introduce the kingdom of God to the world around us. Here's the problem with what's happened with COVID is COVID has brought a culture with it. It's a culture of isolation and it's a culture of individualism. And so what the culture speaks is no contact, don't connect, stay away from people, lockdown, stay away. That's wisdom. That's what it's saying. It's a culture. But we as the people of God are actually called to live by and be governed by the culture of the kingdom. Here's where we struggle. Kingdom concepts and ways are really difficult in a democratic thinking. Let me say it this way. Um, Reward Sabanda, a guy from Zimbabwe, he's a leader in America. He preached this. He said, it would be weird in a democratic nation to tell you to bow down before your president. Your response would be, that's, that's taking away my rights. I, I, we're equal. Just because you have the role of president doesn't mean I'm lower than you. That's democratic thinking. But in the kingdom way, in the culture of the kingdom, there's divine sovereignty because he's the king of kings, lord of lords, and so you bow. And in the kingdom mindset, you don't have a problem with bowing to the king. So here's the difficult thing as a church is that especially in South Africa, I'm talking to 24-7 church. I'm talking to you know, us who are here in, in this country. It becomes really challenging for us as the people of God when we know that we are called to be governed by the kingship, the leadership and lordship of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. But now when, you, when you're living and walking in a democratic culture, those values clash. So what we do is we make excuses to justify being neutral. And so what the church has done, and, and I'm putting my hand up here, I'm saying, man, this has been the most 
difficult season for leaders in the church to navigate this. Let's just be honest. You know, leaders don't look at this and go, yeah, awesome. We expected this. We have the answers. It wasn't like that at all. It caught church leaders across the world off guard completely. And, and what, that, what it's done is it's been a week-to-week process of really seeking the Lord and asking Him what this looks like. But what it's, what it's done in, the, in a good sense is it's forced us back into the Word, like with everything that we have, to say, hold on, this governs us. This is, this is the constitution of the kingdom of God. This is His ways and, and, and how He does things. We need to make sure that we're being governed by the Word, right? So we go back to the Word, and we actually begin to, to read and discover what the Lord's saying and suddenly excuses like, no, but we're called to honor the government, and so we just go with the flow. When you get into the Bible, it's amazing that submission and obedience are both things that we are called to walk in. They partner together, but let me explain how it happens. Submission is the attitude of your heart. So submission is, I honor and I respect that God has put governmental institutions that govern our land, and they have a jurisdiction and a role to play. And I'm submitted to that because I live in this country. So the attitude of my heart is one of humility and honor towards our government. But obedience is the expression of my will. And obedience to the king, because of his kingdom, trumps everything. So there is a place, and if if you're challenged by this, I want to encourage you to go read the book of Acts. There is a place for us as Christians to be in a state of honor towards the leaders that God's put in nations. But the moment that their reach uh, overextends into jurisdiction that God did not give them, when it begins to silence the mandate and the call of the people of God, then our obedience to the king trumps everything. And you can be obedient to the king and still be in honor to your brothers and sisters. And you say, "How, how is that possible? When you read the book of Acts, the government of the day was against them. The first thousand years of the church is just story after story of persecution and governments going after the Christians, governments trying to silence the church, governments trying to stop the church from being who they're called to be. So it shouldn't be a shock to us that we faced what we have. The problem is, I think in our hearts, The Lord wants to invite us to a depth that we've never known so that we don't have to come with excuses to avoid things like persecution, but actually we can be in a spirit of honor and humility, not trying to provoke, not rebellion, not anything like that, but but passionately and fiercely obedient to the voice of our King. And so there's certain things that He's spoken over His people, certain things that He's required and asked of us as His children that are not up for debate. They're not up for uh, conversation. Are you with me? We're going somewhere, I promise. And so when we read this, uh, it's, it's scary because you, you can look at a lot of this description and say, wow, we, we can see that. And so we have to acknowledge and recognize that we're living in the end days. And you can say, well, how soon and how far? We, we're not called to know that. I mean, we read the word. We're not called to know the exact time. But Jesus does actually ask us to discern the times that we're living in, to be awake and alert and ready, and to be recognizing the events and the things and all these, the, the signs that are, that are given to us. They're all happening, and they're beginning to happen more and more. And so we cannot be a people that are falling asleep or that are just going with the flow and yielding to the culture of COVID and the world and things that are going on now, we have to be listening for the voice of the King, being governed by His voice in our lives, while still operating in a spirit of honor and humility. Are you with me? Awesome. So we don't want to be people 
who take on or, or hold to a form of godliness, but are, but are denying its power. Let me say this. I believe that a lot of people have struggled with any, anyone or any part of the church that's wanted to be really front-footed in this season. We, we've struggled with that because the reality in our hearts is that we've denied the power of the kingdom. So wisdom tells you, just honor the government, go with what they're saying, and just, hey, it's okay for a season, you know, a couple of months, it's the church just goes on shutdown, nothing happens, and we'll, we'll come out of this thing and it's all okay. And that's, that's wisdom. It's earthly, worldly wisdom, and it's not what the Lord has been saying in the season. Now, I'm not putting guilt, shame, and condemnation on you. I'm inviting you into the kingdom. I don't want to be somebody that attends services, meetings, maybe even watches every week faithfully online church, but the, the conduct of my life is denying the power of the kingdom. Because the scary thing is, Paul's saying, avoid such people and keep far away from them. Why? Because that's where lukewarm starts to happen. Where my conversation is one thing, uh, I even... You know, I, I'm committed to the attendance of church, and, and, and I, I claim to be a part of those things. But my way of life denies the power of the kingdom because the reality is I don't actually believe that Jesus heals. I'm afraid of COVID because I actually i am not 100% convinced in my heart that when COVID comes near me, it dies. Now, if that's the reality in your heart, it's not a guilt, shame, and condemnation thing. It's an invitation to be convicted of who God is in you and to come into the truth, to come into the kingdom, and to stop denying the power and start believing the power and allow Holy Spirit and the grace that He brings to come into your heart, into your life, and to manifest the fruit of the kingdom. Because it's the kingdom within you that's going to change the world around you. And so when we as the church begin to walk in that, a reality and a, and a, a believing of the kingdom of God that's within us, that is changing my inner world, when that starts to happen and we come together, we become a force to be reckoned with in the world. And suddenly the church is the solution. It's the most offensive solution to governments for what they're facing because they don't want your help, but they're going to get to the place where they need it because people, hundreds and thousands of people will be getting healed at the hands of believers. See, you, you are not called to be watching the kingdom. Jesus said it's not something to be observed. You're not called to watch something take place in front of you. It's in you. So the reason why the church has not seen the power that we know we can see, that we see in the book of Acts, is because we're all waiting to observe something externally when he said the kingdom of God is actually among you because it's in Christians first. The kingdom of God is in you. It's, it transforms you, and then the power of God flows through you into the world around you. I want to encourage this. I, I really want to try and stay focused on the kingdom, but I have this fire in me with the message of the gospel. And I've been wrestling the last couple of days whether I'm going to just preach the gospel to you or whether we're going to talk. I mean, it's all gospel, but I'm talking the message of Jesus dying on the cross. Because you know what happens? We forget that we have the message for the moment. What we've done is we've looked at the moment and we're trying to find messages in the moment to hold on to, to cope and to survive this COVID season when actually the, the message, the message of the kingdom has been shaped and formed inside of you for this very moment and it's waiting for somebody of faith to rise up and not just preach the gospel but let it change the way that you live and to live it with boldness, with faith and with confidence and when you do that, signs and wonders confirm the gospel in your life. 
And so we're called to be a supernatural people of the kingdom, but it requires somebody to rise up and believe in their hearts that this is what governs my life, this is my internal reality, and this is what will decide how I'm going to live every single day. And when I do that, then power comes and flows because what I've done is I've honored His presence with my life. And when you honor His presence with your life, He will honor your life with His power. See, and we go, no, but I go to church and I attend. I'm like, that's beautiful. That's amazing. Thank you for attending. Continue to attend because this is where we're supposed to get built up and equipped. But the reality is it's far more than that. Where is your yes? That's where it is. That's, this, this, that's where the reality of the gospel is. Where is your yes? What are you giving your yes to every moment of the day when you wake up? Are you giving your yes to the culture of COVID that's kept you bound and stuck? Or are you giving your yes to the king of glory who says, actually, when you understand what's pumping through your veins, you're actually the one who wants to go and find the people with COVID because you're the answer and the solution. And I want to just encourage you, even in these last couple of months, this community alone has seen three people healed of COVID. even over the phone. <laughs> Honestly, you can't stop Holy Spirit. But I've been feeling this tension about the gospel and about preaching it boldly because it's only when we forget what Jesus paid for that we actually allow things like fear to govern our lives. When you remind your soul and your spirit of what Jesus has paid for and what he's given you access to, fear can't find any place to land in that revelation. Fear doesn't have anywhere to land in that conviction and that believing, that space in your heart, because it's occupied by faith in what Jesus has done. And when you begin to walk in that, that's when we look totally different to the world. That's when it's not just um, holding to the form of godliness, but godliness has become a reality in my heart. It's not something I'm striving for. It's something I have become. Are you with me? Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, for us, it's amazing that we always look at that scripture in the context of finances or in the context of what we can get. If I want all the things, seek first his kingdom. That's really how we're reading it. But what's amazing is actually what Jesus is saying in that scripture is he's saying, there's going to be this group of people who are going to be different to the world not because they talk differently, but because the priority of their life is not the priority of other people's lives. The number one reason for living is the kingdom of God and His righteousness seen in their lives. And when they do that, He's a good Father. He knows what you need and He takes care of you. But what's so amazing is that it's those kind of people who seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, who look so different to the world, that Holy Spirit can use as a vessel to bring the kingdom and introduce the kingdom to the world around you through signs, wonders, and the message of the gospel preached. And it's those people that become the solution, the offensive solution to the world's problems. And so when you've got a, a deep, dark, and dying world around you, you are the answer. Not because you have the solution in your head, but because you've become it in the Spirit. So your expectations for life change when the kingdom is a reality within you. Uh, let's just quickly scroll over or turn the page to 2 Timothy. It's, we'll carry on uh, in chapter 3, verse 16. It says, All Scripture is God-breathed. And is profitable for instruction, for conviction, for correction, for training in righteousness. So that the man of God, man or woman of God, may be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's amazing that, that Paul, as he's writing this, his solution to what we just read earlier is the word. 
And then the very next scripture in um, chapter 4, verse 1, is I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready when the time is right, even when it is not. Uh, I mean, just you read this and you just go, man, it's simple. It's simple. It's the gospel that changes lives. It's the gospel that transforms us. And here's the thing. If you're at home watching, I love you, and I'm inviting you, come into the kingdom. Because online church is not the future. It's not. It is not. And I'll tell you why. Because the culture that online church brings is that success is views, likes, and follows. But in the kingdom, culture has transformed lives. And so online is, the online stuff that we've used has been great for the season that we've been in. And, and to use it to reach as many people as possible with the gospel, come on, I love it. We, we want to use it as a tool, and we'll continue to use it as a tool. But I'm telling you now that you are called to a family. You are not called to be fans of the gospel. You're called to be followers of Jesus Christ. It costs you. Let's go to Matthew. I'm just following Holy Spirit now. This is different. Let's go to Matthew chapter 22. I hope it's chapter 22. Yeah, it is. Okay. Matthew chapter 22, parable of the marriage feast. I'm just following now. Let's just go with Holy Spirit, okay? Let's read this together. Matthew chapter 22 from verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent his servants to call those who had previously been invited to the wedding feast, but they refused to come. Then he sent out some other servants, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fattened calves are butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention. They disregarded the invitation, treating it with contempt, and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. The rest of the invited guests seized his servants and mistreated them, insulting and humiliating them, and killed them. The king was enraged when he heard this and sent his soldiers and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. So go to the main highways that lead out of the city and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. Those servants went out into the streets and gathered together all the people they could find, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests sitting at the banquet table. But when the king came in to see the dinner guests... He saw a man there who was not dressed appropriately in wedding clothes. And he said, friend, how did you come in here without wearing the wedding clothes that were provided for you? And the man was speechless and without excuse. Then the king said to the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him into the darkness outside. In that place there will be weeping and grinding of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. That's an intense passage of scripture. He's talking about the kingdom. There's a wedding feast. And the fullness of what Jesus has paid for has been given to you. There's an invitation to come. And many people, including those who profess to believe in what's ready for them, what they've been invited to, are refusing the call to come into the kingdom. This is a parable about the kingdom. They're refusing the call to come into the reality of the kingdom. And they're going back to their farms and their businesses. What does that mean? They're going back to their, their own Uh, empires that they're building. They're going back to the prisons of introspection. They're going back to self. And they probably have legitimate reasons in an earthly sense. 
So he goes out and he invites everybody. See, this isn't about whether you measure up to come. This is about your response. I love that it says he called both the bad and the good. This isn't about you matching up to something in order to be invited. The invitation is out. Everybody's invited to the feast. Everybody's invited to the kingdom. But your response to the invitation is what matters. And then you see there's this man who comes in, and, and I love that it's actually, he says, friend, how did you come in here without wearing the wedding clothes that were provided for you? Why is he asking that question? Because he provides what you need for what he's called you into. So when you come into the kingdom, you're given righteousness, the clothes of righteousness to enter the kingdom. And, and the king is shocked. The Lord is shocked that there's somebody who's come in who thinks that they can come in without the gift of righteousness. They try to come in in their own righteousness. And he says, you don't belong here. So here's the beautiful thing. You're not, you don't have to be qualified. He qualified you. But the key thing is this. Your response to the wedding feast means to come and do what first? Receive. Receive the righteousness. Receive the invitation to the kingdom. And come in with boldness to the wedding feast. Everybody's invited. But you're only chosen because you responded. See, I can say, guys, I'm all inviting you to a briar later. Put your hand up if you want to come. And only, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it'll be a, a 2.30. You guys bring the steak. I'll do the rolls. But you put your hand up. Now you're chosen. Because you came. See, the Lord's saying, my invitation is there. I'm inviting you into the kingdom. But your response to the kingdom is what marks you. Oof. Maybe, maybe in this season, you're hearing this message and you're going, whoa, this is, this is a reality check. This is awake, an, an awakening in my heart. And I'm saying, let it convict you. You know, my, I love you. My heart is for this church. This is a message that the Lord is putting in my heart to say, Connor, come enter into the kingdom. Live in this kingdom realm. Because when we do that, we're going to see things like we've never seen before. And, and I promise you, what the Lord's doing in 24-7 right now, He has positioned us. We have been longing for the days that we're actually in. The enemy has countered something that the Lord's doing to try and actually bring distraction, confusion, and fear. It's a pseudo-government. I'm not talking about the governments in the world. I'm talking about this government of fear that's come with COVID. It's fake. It's pseudo. I'm not saying that COVID isn't real. We've got people in our community that have journeyed it. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm just refusing to agree with it. I have an expectation as a believer, emphasis on the word believer, I have a, an expectation that COVID dies when it's around me. And to be quite honest, I, I've been everywhere. I haven't allowed this thing to lock me down. And I'll tell you why. And it, it, you wrestle with fear. Fear comes and it challenges. But that's when relationship with Holy Spirit has to be what you're living by, where you're governed by His voice, His obedience to Him, because it's that that sustains you and gives you strength to believe. And it's when you believe that the Lord begins to put you in places and opportunities to reveal the kingdom of God. And that's why actually in the last two months, it's been the most fruitful season for us as a church, because doors are opening, nations are opening, um, we're, we're expanding. I don't know if you, if, see, if, if you don't attend the wedding feast, you don't get to see what happens there. And I, I, I'm going to do this. I'm challenging you at home. If you don't attend the feast, you just get to look in from outside the window, but you don't get to participate in what's happening in this room. 
See, I believe, and we've seen it with, uh, with the Zoom Bible studies and all of that, that Holy Spirit will minister to you and touch you across the city in your homes. And that's beautiful. And you'll be touched and you'll be blessed, but you're building nothing. See, you build when you come together with a purpose and a mandate. Now, I'm not saying that services is what builds it, but services is where we get equipped to participate in what Jesus is building. So we're not emphasizing sermons because here's the thing. Sermons won't change you. Jesus, he preaches these, uh, these sermons, and I love like even the Sermon on the Mount and, and the parables that he shares. I'm shocked at how Jesus is not so concerned with being misunderstood. He just isn't worried about it. He says stuff, and people freak out, and he moves on. But you know what he does? He preaches these sermons that are revelatory invitations. It's an invitation to a new way of life. And then he says, follow me. Because a sermon won't change you, but it's an invitation to follow. It's when you follow Jesus in your day-to-day life that you come into the culture of his way, his kingdom, and his life. And when you come into that culture, that's where the fruit is. If you're wondering why you're not seeing uh, fruit in your Christian walk, it might be because you're leaning on scriptures and moments, but you haven't actually translated that or responded to the invite to follow. Because to follow Jesus costs. It'll cost you everything. But you gain way more than you could ever think or imagine. So the, the invitation, the invitation is welcome to the kingdom. The invitation is the Father opening up the doors and saying, I've created a way for you where there seemed to be no way, and I've given you a life when you didn't think you had one. And this life is not uh, governed or led by the things of this world. It's led by my voice. And I'm inviting you to the most intimate place of my heart. I'm inviting you to literally be sustained by the breath that comes in my voice. And as you begin to do that, you're going to see things that you could never do in and of yourself. You could never do it in your own strength. But you're going to live a supernatural life of presence and power, oneness with God, because that's what Jesus paid for. He didn't pay for a church that rolls over and shrinks back the moment that things get difficult. Actually, when you read the Bible and you look at the history of the church, persecution and hardship makes us thrive. And I'm saying 24-7 church, it's time to thrive. And the way we're going to thrive is not by waiting for this thing to pass. It's by allowing the kingdom to become real in our hearts. And as we do that, it's going to explode from within us. And we become the answer. And that's why rooms like this are going to be too small. I promise you, we're going to have to have multiple services, not because we're trying to put people in buildings, but because people are being filled with God. See, here's the success of the church. A successful church, the successful um, ecclesia of God, is not buildings filled with people. It's people filled with God. And so our mandate as a church is to see God in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, formed and maturing so that you can actually demonstrate the kingdom of God everywhere that you go. And I'm asking you, I'm saying, let it challenge you, let it convict you. If you are saying, man, I've heard this and I've heard this sermon, you, you do not believe the power of the kingdom. You've denied its power. And I'm saying, come back, come back to the invitation, say yes to the invitation, because it's the grace and the strength of the Holy Spirit that enables your yes anyway. But what he's asking for is humility to return, return to the yes, return to the invitation and say, Lord, I'm coming in. I'm saying yes to the feast that you've invited me to. I am entering into your kingdom now. See, when you do that, then eternity is not something you're waiting for. Eternity is a reality within you. 
just remembering to smile. <laughs> I believe that over the next couple of months, there's going to be an intense season of training, training for the harvest. And I'm asking you not to sit back and watch the Lord write history. I'm saying let's be the pen that he writes history with. How awesome is that, that God wants to pick up his people like a pen and write his story with us? I love that. That makes, that makes me come alive. I just go, Lord. Because you know what's so amazing is that what he wants to do with you, you couldn't even imagine it. You just can't. Your brain is too puny. God's not, a, God's not waiting to be intellectually figured out. He will blow your mind every time. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So the Lord's shifting us. He's changing the narrative. He's changing the, the focus, the emphasis, and the direction. And he's, he's calling you home. He's inviting you back. <clears throat> but where we're going, the, the vision, the picture that we're seeing in front of us is way bigger and far deeper than we've ever seen before. We have to get comfortable with coming to services like this that are not revolving around you and your problems. We just have to get, we just got to get over that and be okay with it because we're coming together now as the ecclesia. One's called out to govern with the reality of kingdom, the kingdom of God in us. And what he does is he goes, I want to show you what I care about. It's not weird to sing about Japan. It's not weird to begin to align with the heart of God for different nations and say, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. I'm about your kingdom. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. This is the prayer of our hearts, and as we do that, the capacity of your life is enlarged way beyond the ability that you have to love. The, the ability that you have to love becomes His ability, and suddenly you are burning for people you've never met yet. You're seeing the faces and the names and the children and the places, and your heart is just exploding with the affection of God for these places. Because here's the thing. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. The end time harvest that's coming. It's not because we've decided to be missional. It's because we've seen the worthiness of Jesus. The church in Antioch, I really wanted to preach this today, but we'll preach it in the next coming weeks. The church in Antioch, Acts 11 and 13, they become the missionary hub of the area. They become this apostolic base that changes a region. And they didn't become that because one day they woke up and decided we should probably be about the nations. No, what they did was they fell in love with Jesus. They fell in love with His presence. They became a people that set themselves apart. Acts 13, before you see any commissioning of Paul and Barnabas, they set themselves apart to pray and fast, to seek the Lord. They were a people of His presence. And it's amazing that in Matthew 24, no, sorry, not Matthew 24, uh, with, uh, with Mary of Bethany when she breaks the the oil, the perfume over Jesus, he says that wherever the gospel is preached, her story will be told. Jesus takes Mary of Bethany and he puts her at the center of the end time harvest, her story. 
And what is that saying? This is what's moving my heart at this point in time. He's saying it's the people who see his worth that will be mobilized to take the gospel to the nations because he is worthy of the reward of his suffering. He's worthy of the tribes and tongues in the nations. He's worthy of the places that I don't want to go. I've said it the last couple of weeks, and I believe that it's a mandate on this church. I believe the Lord has asked 24-7 church to commit to the 1040 window, to the places where the gospel has not been heard. I just feel it with everything in my heart. And, you know, Jess and I, we had planned to go to Turkey in April and to start working into the region, not knowing what it was going to look like. Tiny little vision, just a yes. And then God puts us into lockdown, and He expands our vision, and He shows us it's not you, it's community. I'm inviting a community of people to take responsibility for the things that I care about. Hear me. He is inviting us as the people of God to take responsibility for the things that He cares about. For the things that He cares about. See, Jesus, um, I promise I'm wrapping up, but Jesus is perfect. And the fact that He enables us to co-labor with Him doesn't mean that I want to now tell Jesus what I want in my life. That's stupidity. Because he's perfect. Co-laboring with a king who's perfect. He's the perfect king. Co-laboring with him means I need to know what you want for me. Because you're perfect. And I get to do what you want for me. I get to co-labor with your strength, your ability, your authority and government. I get to come in line with that and do what you're asking me to do. That's what co-laboring in the Bible is talking about. It's not talking about me being able to have my voice to the king and make sure that he does a couple of things that I want in my life. And God, you know, I actually expected a better life. I actually expected that things would turn out a lot better than they have. And I'm really upset that I keep putting my faith in you and that you just keep letting me down with my expectations. It's not the gospel. It's the form of godliness, denying the power of the kingdom in your life. Actually, what he's saying is when you see the majesty, the beauty, and the worthiness of Jesus, you bow and your will dies inside of you. And suddenly it's the will of Jesus, his will, that becomes your will. And the, the expression of your will is obedience to him. And you can be this most beautiful person of honor and humility, but you are ruthless about your obedience. And when you do that, you begin to co-labor and partner with him in the kingdom and you'll build something that is way beyond anything you could ever dream of. And the rewards, just remember this, we're an eternal people. The reward in heaven is what we're living for because it's him. It's his presence. The reward that we're living for is to be with him for all time. To be with him forever and ever and ever and ever. If you're living for the rewards now, you are deceived. And deception is not necessarily something that's super far off from the truth. It's just a little bit. It's just slightly off, just enough to over time take you further and further away from who you are and what you're called to. So let the gospel grab your heart this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, I just honor you. I, I love you so much. I love your presence. I love your people. And I thank you that you're our best friend. And I thank you that you're the comforter because your work is uncomfortable. And, and today you're doing a powerful thing in this community and in this church. And you're shifting our hearts. And Lord, we're not going to um, shrink back into guilt, shame, and condemnation. We're going to actually respond with joy and excitement to the invitation, Lord. That we're reminded this morning that you are inviting us into the kingdom. Not just to visit or to observe. It's not something to be observed. It's among us. It's in us.
It's your Holy Spirit. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's in the Spirit of God that you've given to us. And so we yield. We yield right now, Lord. We, we just give you our yes. We know nothing else but to do that. We don't have to have this figured out. This isn't something that you need to plan out in your head. It's just a heart response of yes, and His grace will come on your faith. Lord, we just exalt you. We love you right now. I ask, Holy Spirit, make this our reality. Make this us, Lord. Make us a people, a church that you long for, that you're building. Lord, we are the bride, and we want to have the heart of a bride, a heart that just wants to please the lover of our souls, that just wants to abide in him, that just wants to do what you're doing and be around you and be involved in what you're building. That's what we're asking for this morning. We know, Lord Jesus, that we will function as the body of Christ. But first and foremost, you've asked us to have the heart of a bride. And before we can be a body, we have to have a heart, heart of the bride. Can you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I have, um, I have one word that I just want to be obedient to. I felt it when I woke up this morning. I've just been asking the Lord how to do it. And I, yeah, it's actually a word for Auntie Elaine. That's why I'm, <laughs> my heart is tender. Because um, I wouldn't do this because I, I know I'm not trying to you know, point you out or anything, but I just want to be obedient to the Lord. I, this morning I woke up and I saw your face. And the Lord spoke to me about um, just who you are and the mandate on your life and your calling. And uh, he said to me, she, she's a force to be reckoned with in the spirit, and she always has been. And that's why the majority of your life, the enemies tried to suffocate that call on your life. And I just I heard the Lord say, you're a force to be reckoned with. And I saw him put a one-piece suit of armor on you. It was all the stuff that you need, but in one moment. He just put it on you like a one, it was all joined, one piece. And um, I heard him say, in one touch, he's going to equip you for the battle that you're in. And, um, and he put this thing on you. And I heard him say, Ephesians 6 and Galatians 5. And it was Ephesians 6, the armor of God. But it was Galatians 5, that the weapons of your warfare would be the fruits of the Spirit. And they're not going to be things that you have to um, try to become. They're things that he's already put inside of you that will manifest uh, in this season as you yield to him. And I also just heard him say, rise up, woman of warfare. And I was like, wow, I just saw that word of you, warfare, and just such victory and power. And um, whether the, the enemy has tried to suffocate and suppress and, and um, disappoint you, I just see the Lord in this season. He is giving you everything that you need to overcome, everything that you need to win. I just felt that. I felt like, man, where, where you've just contended and contended. And I, you're, I know in my heart, I just know you're one of the strongest people that I've ever met, and the Lord says that about you as well. There's a resilience and a strength to you that is, it's actually supernatural. 
But the Lord's actually saying now, rise up, woman of warfare. It's time to win. It's time for victory. And he's putting that, that one-piece suit of armor on you, and he's giving you the weapons of warfare, the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, actually, it doesn't look like this huge, big battle, but it looks like just me and you, God and Elaine, together, everything that you need, in every smile, and every yes, and every response, and every, everything that you do in your day-to-day -day life, there's going to be such a weight to the fruit that comes from your life, and it's going to change your world. It's going to change what's around you. You're going to see fruit in your home. You're going to see the fruit of the kingdom in your home. And I hear the Lord say, don't give up, don't lose hope, because I will win. I will win, and I will win in you and through you. And you're a winner in the kingdom, and you are victorious. You're an overcomer, and you will conquer. And I've seen every prayer and every whisper, and I've heard every word that you've spoken in the secret place. And he's saying, now I am exalting you. I'm lifting you above the storm, above the noise, and I'm clothing you in myself. And I'm saying, I'm giving you everything that you need for this situation, this season that you're in, this time that you're in. And though the enemy has tried to suffocate and suppress, I say, rise up, woman of warfare, woman of victory. And so I just release that over Auntie Lane right now. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for a divine touch in her heart. I thank you that in one moment, Lord, you would bring the healing, the restoration, the wholeness that she needs, Lord. That even her mind and her soul and her heart, Lord, right now, just total healing. That the, the word this morning would just wash over her. That she is a daughter of the king. She is a daughter, a princess, a ruler and reigner in the kingdom that you've called her to take dominion. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that it's not in the striving. It's not in the figuring it out. It's not even in understanding. It's in the receiving. And so, Lord, this morning I stand with Auntie Elaine. I say, Lord, we receive what you have for her. And as the body, we stand around her and we champion her this morning. And we say, rise up and run. Rise up and conquer. Rise up and be victorious. We stand and we hold up her arms, Lord. Even in seasons when she's tired, we hold up her arms and we say, we will not let you let go of what God has for your life. We will hold fast with you. We will hold fast to the promise. We will contend with you. We will stand with you. And so, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that today is a divine shift, Lord. Not a divine shift necessarily of, of just circumstance, but a divine shift of perspective, of power, of authority. And I thank you, Lord, that from this day onwards, she would know that every word that she speaks in the kingdom carries the full backing and weight of heaven. I thank you. I release that in Jesus' name. I thank you for the armor that's on her in Jesus' name. I thank you for the fruit of the Spirit that is coming through her right now in Jesus' name. So, Father, touch her. Touch her right now, Lord. Fill her in Jesus' name. We just yield to you. And I just feel the Lord saying, just camp out in Ephesians 6 and Galatians 5. That's what he wants to minister to you right now. So I bless Auntie Elaine in Jesus' name. I bless her right now. I bless her. I thank you for the blood of Jesus that's around her, over her, in her, and through her right now. That she is covered, that she is safe, that she is protected. And I just command every voice of the enemy to be silenced right now. I command every little bit of restriction and limitation and chains that have tried to hold her down. I say, be loosed, fall off right now. And I thank you for an explosion of the abundant life of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Bless you, Lord. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So let's just be faithful.
to the Lord. He, there's an invitation. He's saying, welcome to the kingdom. And I said, many are called, but few are chosen. And you're chosen because of your response. And so this morning, that's the invitation. He's saying, let's respond. And that doesn't look necessarily like a physical thing, but it's something that happens in your heart. It's a decision that you make in your heart. And so this morning, let's begin to, to do that. Let's begin to respond to him. Um, maybe the band can come up. Let's just do one more song. And as we worship him, let's respond. Let's stir up our faith. Let's give him our yes. And I promise you what he's going to do is he's going to set you free from the prisons of introspection and open your heart to see his kingdom realm. And when you see his kingdom realm, you'll see the bigness of what God's doing right now. So, Lord, I just thank you. I, I speak of every person in this room, just the fresh fire and anointing of your Holy Spirit. Open our hearts and minds, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We take our eyes off of ourselves, and we look to you right now. We look to you, and we see the beauty and the majesty of Jesus. And we say, thank you, Father, that we can participate in your kingdom, that we can say yes, and that your grace comes and strengthens us, that you will lift us up on eagle's wings and take us higher than we've ever been before. And so we're going to soar with you today, Lord. We're going to soar into the kingdom. We're coming running. We're coming running like laid down lovers, hungry, hungry and thirsty for more of you, Lord. And so that's how we come. We say, Lord, here is our yes. We give you everything that we are. Come and take us. Come and take us deeper into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, let's worship him now.